Welcome in, guys. Farzine Vasugian here with you for another episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you all had a Merry Christmas earlier this week. As we have just a couple of days left in 2023. Wow. Uh, almost the end of 2023. Hard to believe. Uh, and uh, here we are getting ready for week 17 of the NFL season. Very excited to talk to you guys about the Chiefs and Bengals game this week. Of course, a big game and uh, both teams looking to end 2023 on a high note. Uh, Chiefs trying to clinch the AFC West while the Bengals trying to stay alive for the uh, for the uh, playoffs. Uh, I'm getting a comment here. Uh, subtitles in Espanol, por favor, Luis. Um, apologies. Uh, pardon, Luis. I, I, I'm sorry. Um, I'll be completely honest. I don't know how the captions work on Facebook um, as well as YouTube. Uh, I don't know exactly how uh, how that stuff works because I've actually had people who, who say they're deaf and they wanted uh, they wanted uh, captions. Not quite sure how that happened, but uh, at some point it just kind of uh, came about uh, on its own. So I'll be honest. That is completely out of my control. Uh, but uh, hey, listen. Whether you're in Mexico or any other country, I get a lot of people who comment um, about watching live from other countries, and I think that is awesome. I really, I really do. So I appreciate all the people who do watch internationally, uh, whether it's live or archived. Um, I think that is awesome. Uh, I mean, we have a lot of uh, fans, listeners from outside of the United States. So uh, big shout out to those guys, and uh, apologies for not having these uh, subtitles in Espanol. I need to work on my Spanish. I, I definitely need to. To work on my Spanish, but nonetheless, a lot of things to get into here on this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Should not be a very long podcast. Uh, I always say that, but then uh, we always uh, tend to overdo things. But some things to get into here: a former Chief is one of 15 finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2024. A Chiefs Hall of Famer has called out Matt Nagy. I'll tell you who that is and what they said. Big news in the AFC West. Got to get into it here on this podcast. And then, of course, we'll talk about the injury report and then break down the game between the Chiefs and Bengals. Preview it, give you my prediction here on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. 2023 is winding down. You still have a chance to attend a sporting event if you want. Hey, Chiefs Bengals at Arrowhead on New Year's Eve. End the year with a bang. And you can go to SeatGeek, get your tickets from there. If you see, go green dot next to those ticket prices. That is a good thing. That means you're paying a good price for those tickets. If you see a red dot, that means you're paying too much. And that's what I appreciate about SeatGeek is they keep it honest with you. They let you know if you're paying a good price or paying too much. And uh, you can avoid making mistakes that way. And if you're a first-time customer of SeatGeek, you can use my promo code FARZINE for $20 off your first purchase from SeatGeek. So go to SeatGeek.com, enter my my promo code Farzine when you purchase your tickets if you're a first-time customer and you will save $20 off your first purchase. This podcast is also brought to you by StreamYard. If you guys uh, wonder how I do my podcast, it is through StreamYard. I love it. I've used a lot of different programs in the past. StreamYard keeps it very simple. My team and I are able to do these live broadcasts. Very simple, very easy to use. So if you're a podcaster or you want to stream on multiple platforms, definitely use StreamYard. Uh, I have my uh, promo link 
in, uh, in my stories on Facebook and Instagram. So if you guys uh, ever want to uh, get a, a little bit of a discount on StreamYard, uh, look out for my promo links. I post them occasionally on my stories, and you can get a, uh, a discount if you click the link, and there will be further details on there. So if you guys want to podcast, live stream on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, well, wherever it is you want to stream, go to StreamYard.com. I'll have my promo code in my stories, and you guys can sign up there. Casey Blitz says, often sees get clicking. Yes, and I think they will this week. I'll tell you why. I know I've been optimistic probably more than anyone else. What's up, Robert? All the way in California. Robert is one of our uh, recent uh, recent uh, giveaway winners. Luis, I don't know what you're saying. You could be cussing me out in Spanish, and I would not know. Looks like you're saying something about the 49ers and Nick Bosa. Uh, so uh, hopefully you're not saying anything bad about me. Uh, A lot of things to get into here, so very little time to waste. Uh, Jared Allen, good news, former Kansas City Chiefs defensive end. Jared Allen also played for the Vikings uh, as well as for the Bears and Panthers a little bit. Is one of the 15 finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Not in yet, but uh, is one step closer to getting in. And I think this is someone who definitely deserves an opportunity uh, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's a bit of a challenge here. I was looking at the list and I saw guys like Dwight Freeney, Torrey Holt. I'm very surprised Torrey Holt is not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That surprised me. Um, that was a surprise to me. But nonetheless, Jared Allen, one of the 15 finalists. And there were some people talking about, uh, you know, his time in Kansas City and whether or not, you know, he claims to be a chief or whatnot and, and that kind of thing. Listen, uh, Jared Allen, I've heard Jared Allen do many interviews, and he's made it very clear. He loves Kansas City. He just did not get along with management at the time. Well, of course, led by Carl Peterson, general manager at the time, uh, ended up getting... Uh, let go, forced to, to resign, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, whatever you want to make of that, uh, about, you know, less than half a year, less than a year later. Um, uh, to my understanding with that kind of thing, to my knowledge, Carl Peterson held those two DUIs against him quite a lot. Uh, and Clark Hunt was not happy about that. Clark Hunt actually got involved in the whole contract negotiations, which did not go very well, and that led to a trade. Clark Hunt very, very, very rarely gets involved in these kinds of things. People have got to keep in mind, because I'm seeing a lot of people talk about Clark Hunt, you know, uh, how he needs to step in and fire Matt Nagy, uh, which is not going to happen because Clark Hunt does not do that. A lot of people don't know this. Um, During Clark Hunt's entire time uh, since taking over for his father, Lamar Hunt, as the CEO and owner of the team, uh, basically the the top guy uh, for the franchise, Clark Hunt's Primary duties are hiring the head coach and hiring the general manager. If there are ever any incidents where things are not looking good and he feels the need to get involved, he will do that. For example, the uh, the whole situation with Jared Allen I just mentioned. Uh, some more recent examples, the Kareem Hunt matter. That was, um, that was a big decision from Clark Hunt. He was the uh, deciding factor in uh, letting Kareem Hunt go. A couple of other instances, uh, a lot of rumors about Marcus Peters, whether or not uh, Clark Hunt had anything to say about that. Andy Reid did deny a lot of those reports, but, you know, I think that's part of his job is to make sure people know that he doesn't get involved with personnel matters. So um, anyway, got a little off topic there, but um, 
yeah, Jared Allen definitely, uh, you know, had his differences with the uh, general manager at the time, Carl Peterson, but uh, still uh, has a lot of love for Kansas City. He came back to uh, serve as the drum uh, honoree for a game. So uh, still uh, has a special uh, place um, in his heart for Kansas City. So that's good to see. Um, yeah, it's a businessman. Things happen. Uh, and I can understand Carl Peterson's side of it because, you know, whenever you're wanting to draft players, if there are players with character issues or, or players who've gotten in trouble legally, you, there are a lot of teams that will pass on those kinds of guys. That that, that has happened in the past. Um, kind of a similar situation here, but Jared Allen proved to be right in this one as he right that ship and uh, didn't get into trouble anymore. So good on him. Uh, one of the better uh, you know turnaround stories, not just with football, but in life as well. So uh, I hope Jared Allen gets into the Hall of Fame. I think it could be an uphill battle to do. Um, I think this is his first time. As a uh, finalist, one of the 15 finalists. So he's got an opportunity for sure. Uh, so we'll see uh, what happens uh, in the uh, in the near future. The uh, class of 2024 will be announced on February the 8th. Uh, a former chief has called out Matt Nagy. Uh, and I think this is the perfect time to put the graphic up here because uh, I don't have the uh, rights to play the clip of it. Uh, but... I know a lot of people uh, definitely, here's my thing. Um, there have been former players that have called out this coaching staff, but we haven't heard it from any high profile, you know, former high profile players, but we now got our first one. And that is Dante Hall, who just went into the Chiefs Hall of Fame recently uh, he was on NFL Network's Good Morning Football this morning, and he said that it starts at the top with Matt Nagy. Talked about um, how when Eric Bieniemy was in Kansas City, this lack of discipline did not exist, which is a pretty big statement coming from a former player. Um, uh, he also mentioned the league-leading 39 dropped passes. Uh, and one of the key things he mentioned is, besides Juju Smith-Schuster, there haven't been any changes. Um, on this offense, the big one, really the only major one is the offensive coordinator. And he's a hundred percent spot on there. Uh, so he ended his comment by saying, so it must be you get these guys in order. Now that means a lot. Listen, I know Shannon Sharp said something very similar. And don't get me wrong. Shannon Sharp, you know, this is a guy who's very smart. I think a lot of people uh, like his takes on, uh, on everything he discusses, but this is one of the very, uh, very few Chiefs players. I think the only former player who's in the team's Hall of Fame that has actually spoken up. It means a lot more from a former Chiefs player than it does a Hall of Famer like Shannon Sharp. Again, Shannon Sharp, a phenomenal player during his time and also a great analyst. But his comments, if we're being completely honest, doesn't mean jack shit because he didn't play for the team. When you hear it from former players, that's where it means a lot more than it would for anyone else. So for Dante Hall to speak on this, first of all, I appreciate it because I still remember, I think it was last year or the year before where the Steelers had a lot of former players speaking up and getting involved and in trying to call out the players, the, the coaching staff, the entire organization from top to bottom. Uh, you did not see a lot of that from other uh, yeah, I don't think in Chiefs history you've seen a lot of former players call out the team. I think Len Dawson, you know, being a, a part of the organization with the radio uh, staff, he's been kind of ho-hum about a lot of things. 
um, up until he had uh, passed away. Uh, I know Bobby Bell, as great as he was, one of the one of the best players of all time uh, in Chiefs history. Uh, he doesn't really speak up on uh, matters like this. You don't really hear former players call out the organization like this. Dante Hall is one of the very few players who actually has the balls to say anything. So that's good to see for a former player, a Hall of Famer, say so. This, this guy just got into the Hall of Fame, and I know the Chiefs value Dante Hall a lot. They have uh, they have had him involved in a lot of things. He was a big part of the team's uh, draft setup this year uh, when the draft was in Kansas City. So, um, you know, a lot of times when former players, the former players who I've talked to that have those kinds of close connections with the team, whether it's as an ambassador, uh, I know Dante Hall had done that for the Houston Texans, in the past, uh, shortly after he retired, anytime you see former players who speak up on things like this, um, they try to be careful with certain words, especially if they're still like a part of the team in a certain manner. Um, but I appreciate Dante all speaking up on this because someone's got to say something. Uh, this has obviously been a very disappointing year for the offense. And, and even then, like you look at Patrick Mahomes, still top five in the NFL in passing yards. Um, not bad for a guy that's had to deal with a lot of shit around him on, on offense this year, especially with the wide receivers uh, 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 leading the league and dropped passes by a wide margin. So uh, it, it's good to see that. I hope there are more former chiefs that are not afraid to speak up. I, I'll say this, and I know this was the case during the Carl Peterson era, which we just got done talking about. Um, I know the chiefs are one of the very, very sensitive organizations. And I know the Kansas city Royals are this way. I know, I know both of these for a fact. Um, the chiefs one was kind of crazy at the time because in the mid two thousands, Carl Peterson was actually banning reporters from, from Arrowhead. Now, if you do something like that in 2023, that is front page news on a lot of, um, not just a lot of sports websites, a lot of mainstream media outlets. Uh, that's and in fact, I know um, Pro Football Writers of America. One of their members was banned from I want to say Philadelphia's press box. It was either last year or the year before. I can't remember exactly which team it was, but they rallied behind their reporter and they always won the battle. Listen, whether it's sports, uh, you've seen this sometimes in uh, politics with. Um, politicians banning certain reporters from uh, being able to uh, to come in and, uh, and cover uh, certain events. Um, the media wins that battle 99.9% of the time. Um, so, you know, banning reporters today uh, is a much bigger deal than it was 20 years ago. So, uh, but it's good to see uh, Dante all uh, speak up and um, call out the organization. Uh, Dante all also had uh, more to say. Uh, and I'll uh, go into my next point right now where he actually had some advice for Patrick Mahomes, something I had been saying very recently, uh, said it's time to be checked down Tom Brady. thought that was very interesting <laughs> the way you worded that. Uh, but he talked about essentially, you know, don't force the deep plays. What have I said in recent uh, podcasts? I have said that those long shots that the Chiefs want, they're not there. They're just not there this year. So why are the Chiefs forcing those kinds of passes uh, whenever you know they're just not there or whenever they are there, guys are dropping them, unfortunately. Um, and if you do go with the short runs and try to run the ball a little bit more, which could, Chiefs could be in trouble with that in the next couple of weeks because you don't have Jarek McKinnon. He's on IR 
for at least three more games if the Chiefs do play three more games, which I think they will. Or uh, uh, Pacheco, he's right now in the concussion protocol. I will say this. Not that I agree with it, but this time of year, you do see a lot of players get cleared, cleared um, much sooner than usual. Make uh, make whatever judgment you want from that. I, I, that's not, you know, me giving an opinion, anything. That's just me giving you my observation. Uh, that's just the way it's been. Uh, so you make whatever you want out of that. But uh, listen, Dante L does make a point here. And I think with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, this offense is forcing things that, that just aren't there with this offense this year. So to me, it's like, why are the Chiefs trying to force things that that th- that just aren't there? Um, you know, avoid your weaknesses, go to your strengths. And the Chiefs are not doing that, which to me is very interesting. So at the end of the day, if you are, if you are the... The Chiefs, listen, Andy Reid's not dumb. He's been doing this a very, very long time. He's had a lot of critics over the years that have talked about his play calling and lack of success. Now, having two Super Bowls, especially both of them being uh, recently, um, the fact that, you know, he's had that, that's put a, a, a cover over the um, the criticism he's had, but he still has some of those critics here with some of the things he's done. So at the end of the day, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, I think, listen, again, it's 2023, almost 2024. Whenever these kinds of comments are out there, teams cannot hide from this. Not at all. Um, they could have 20 years ago, uh, but these kinds of things are a much bigger deal today. So, you know, for a fact, I remember Dustin Colquitt when he called out Tommy Townsend last year. Dave Tobe, the special teams coordinator, did a press conference, and he even acknowledged Dustin Colquitt's comments. Uh, without anyone in the media even bringing it up. Now, part of it is because the Chiefs PR let him know. They said, hey, Dustin Colquitt made these comments as a possibility. Someone in the media will bring this up. But Dave Tope was just ahead of the media on that one. He brought it up himself. So you know for a fact that the coaching staff and even some of the players are aware of this. Definitely the players. I mean, they're on social media far more than the coaches. Um, so so you know for sure that those guys are going to be um, be aware of it. Dante L should be the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I've seen some people say this. Uh, Chris says, recall the plays. OC is instrumental in play design, practice during the week, and assisting on game day. Yeah, a lot of people have mentioned this kind of thing, Chris. And look, who, who's doing what exactly on game day? And does that change, you know, uh, throughout the game? I don't know. Um, I mean, listen, I, I, Matt Na- or uh, no, I'm sorry, not Matt Nagy. Eric Bieniemy was supposedly never the play caller, but... So many times you'd see him uh, covering his mouth with the, with the play sheet and saying a lot. So um, I don't know. Uh, I, I think there's still a lot of mysteries as to how exactly this offense operates on game day. Because even um, even Travis Kelsey last year, his brother, Jason, on, on their podcast was talking about how um, they were just asking, you know, who, who calls the plays uh, or Jason was at least. And Travis Kelsey he kind of gave this weird answer like he wasn't really sure. Come on. You really don't know who's calling the plays. Obviously, he doesn't want to give things away. But he did hint at uh, Eric Bieniemy being upset that Kelsey was taken out for a key play, a, a, a specific play design that was for Travis Kelsey. So now that's just one example, one out of how many snaps you run in a season. So uh, there's always that... Uh, that whole thing as well. Don't forget losing Doug Peterson as well. 
Uh, I mean, Doug Peterson left the team in 2015, so I don't know what that has to do with um, with the recent memory. Uh, who was the coach that said you have to make chicken salad out of chicken salad? <laughs> that was not a coach. That was uh, Ray Farmer. He um, was part of the front office. Maybe he was a coach at one point. But uh, no, that is actually really funny, Donnie, that you bring that up. Um, he went on to become the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. Oddly enough, I think he replaced John Dorsey, or maybe it was him first and then John Dorsey. Um, and John Dorsey did not last very long in Cleveland, uh, which was uh, very crazy to see. Uh, yeah, it was on Hard Knocks, Donnie. You're right. And he was telling that to Casey Printers, man. Um, I have a friend who watches uh, the CFL very closely. He's Canadian. Um, and he was telling me at the time about Casey Printers said, you guys got a good one. I'm like, I hope so. I've seen his highlight reel. Uh, but the CFL is obviously different than the NFL. Salary caps and money will be an issue. They will need to look at that as well. Yeah, I mentioned this before. Um you gotta you gotta part ways with Chris Jones unless he's willing to take a very cheap deal. Um, you gotta you, you gotta move on from Chris Jones. I I've said this many times. I said this back in training camp when he had his very long holdout and threatened to hold out into the season. But at the end of the day, um, you know, you gotta you're you're gonna be in a salary cap bind if you keep Chris Jones. I don't want to see Chris Jones in another team's uniform uh, just as much as any other Chiefs fan, but you got to you gotta make some difficult decisions. There, There's even some speculation that Joe Tooney could be a salary cap casualty this year um, in the, or the offseason, I should say. Um, not, I hope that's not the case because I think Joe Tooney is one of the more consistent players on your offense, but uh, we'll have to see what that is. Charlie Weiss was a good offensive coordinator. Yeah, listen, I know he gets a lot of shit for what he did in Kansas, um, people can't separate Charlie Weiss, the offensive coordinator and Charlie Weiss, the head coach. I, I don't know, man. Uh, people, uh, seem to, I mean, listen, if, if the guy ever chose to come back as an offensive coordinator in the NFL, I mean, he's been away from the game for quite some time. So I think that would be a little uh, problematic, but he was a great offensive coordinator. He was in Kansas city just one year. And in that one year, Matt Castle was a pro bowler back when the pro bowl had a little bit more meaning back then. Dwayne Bow was awesome. Led the NFL in touchdown catches that year um, after having just won in the first four games. So uh, I hope he, I hope, uh, you know, I hope he gets another chance, uh, but it seems like he's very happy doing what he does. By the way, I shared some uh, comments about Charlie Weiss, uh, how he talked about uh, Mahomes and Kelsey and how he was disappointed in their behavior. And a lot of people mentioned, how come he never had this energy for Tom Brady? Well, of course, he uh, worked with Tom Brady very closely in uh, in New England. So uh, there's that. Uh, of course, you know, oh, he won seven rings. Of course, he's allowed. Yeah, when you are when you have seven rings, you're allowed to do things. But uh, when you've won two at a very young age, apparently uh, it's a bad thing for Mahomes or Kelsey. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we'll move on from that. Uh, but yeah, Dante L's advice to, uh, to Mahomes, short passes. So... We'll see. Uh, big news from the AFC West. Russell Wilson was benched by the Denver Broncos today. And this is kind of interesting. So I don't know all the machinations behind this. Uh, Jeff Kerr of CBS Sports said the Broncos are going to eat $85 million in dead cap if they cut Russell Wilson this offseason. Ari Marav mentioned uh, that, uh, by the way, Jeff Kerr of CBS Sports and Ari Marav of the 33rd team, uh, very underrated outlet, by the way, if you're not following them. But he mentioned that he still has two years left from the original Seattle deal. And technically, the extension hasn't even started yet. So 
Denver's expected to release him before that part of the contract kicks in, which is not very good. Albert Breer said uh, it's thirty. It's a, essentially a thirty-nine million dollar buyout this offseason, or a thirty-seven million dollar buyout next offseason. Um, there are reports that came out earlier this evening that Wilson is expected to be cut in March. So Denver's ready to just say, fuck it. We'll eat some of that, uh, some of that bad cap there. Uh, look, I'll just say this right now. Um, the whole thing with Russell Wilson, I still remember being in my car driving around when that trade was made. And I remember listening to Rich Gannon and he immediately goes, Broncos are AFC contenders. Not even close to that. Not even close to it. Um, yeah, Brady did go 10 years without winning a, a ring, Rochelle. Yeah, you're right. Uh, by the way, let me go back to that because I still remember in 2014 when the Chiefs destroyed the Patriots, their own fan base wanted Brady out. And then when they finally picked things up, they played the whole us versus the world card. It's like, Come on, you guys were ready to chase Belichick and um, and Brady out of there. I remember um, when that Monday Night Football game happened. It was also the day before the Royals wildcard game, the first playoff game in Kansas City in forever, uh, first uh, baseball playoff game. And uh, we actually tuned into the other, I was working for 610 at the time, we actually uh, put on uh, W, or, no, what is it, WEEI, I think, in uh, Boston, which is also uh, owned by the same company as 610. And... Their radio hosts and all of the people calling in wanted Brady gone. They, they were done with him. And then look what happened. He won three more rings there. One more in um, in uh, in Tampa Bay, of course. So obviously uh, was far from uh, being over. But to go to your uh, other uh, comment, Rochelle, why not let Russell Wilson play it out? Remember the coach yelled at Russ in the last game. Yeah. Listen, here's the thing with Russell Wilson, because a lot of people feel bad for Russell Wilson because he's not uh, going to be getting the a certain amount of money. Oh boy, poor Russell Wilson, who's made millions and millions of dollars and is going to miss out on a few million because the Broncos are, you know, working the system a little bit to not pay him what he thinks he deserves. You haven't lived up to expectations. The Broncos gave up the house to get you and you have not lived up to expectations. If you give up as much, I mean, look at the Tyreek Hill trade. The Dolphins gave up a shit ton of picks to get Tyreek Hill. Now, the Chiefs obviously have won the Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill. Um, expected to make the playoffs, probably not going to get to the Super Bowl this year. But Tyreek Hill has been nothing but great for the Dolphins this year. He's always he's done everything he needs to do to put the Dolphins in position to win. Um, and as he should, because the Dolphins invested a lot to get him. And here they are now. Um, obviously, uh, this was a historic year for the Miami Dolphins and for um, the NFL in terms of offenses from the Miami Dolphins and how they have done uh, compared to other offenses in NFL history. So, you know, when you give up that much for one guy, you got to. It's got to be a home run hit, obvious. Uh, otherwise, you know you're going to have to suffer the consequences. And this is what Russell Wilson's going through. I don't feel bad for Russell. Well, poor Russell Wilson. People did this with Derek Carr last year when he got benched for the last two. Oh, the Raiders quit on Derek Carr. No, Derek Carr quit like a coward because he did not live up to expectations. He had nine seasons to all these opportunities that no one else would have gotten on other teams. But because things did not go his way and the Raiders wanted to make a decision to 
try to better their football team. He cried like a coward and quit the football team. Like, I'm sorry. I have, I have a lot of respect for a lot of athletes, what they do, especially like, you know, whenever things don't go right, you still, you know, face the media, you go out there. And if you lose playing time, you deal with it like a, like a football player. And Derek Carr didn't, uh, he didn't want to be a distraction. Cry me a river. Eli Manning found out on SportsCenter that he was getting benched for Daniel freaking Jones. Did he quit the team? No, he still showed up and served as a backup and tried to be the best backup possible and tried to support Daniel Jones as much as possible. That's a two-time Super Bowl champion against the, by the way, he won his two Super Bowls against the high and mighty New England Patriots. So, you know, for him to get screwed over the way he did, he didn't go cry about it. Um, But anyway, I digress there, so. When I signed Jarvis Landry, yeah, a lot of people have been asking this for a long time. My thing is, if he's still available to this day, why? Here's the thing. Let's say you sign him now. How quick can you pick up the offense on December the 27th? With Because you're not going to play Sunday. Maybe you play a few snaps uh, the following week against the Chargers. But after that, you know, what else are you going to do? What else? What else can he do? I'm not expecting uh, that to happen. Uh, there was a similar conversation with Odell Beckham Jr. last year, uh, who, who has played well for the Ravens this year. But uh, to sign someone this late would be um, would uh, definitely be a, a challenge for sure. Yeah, th- David, this is a good question. Um, Legereus Sneed. Now, what's his price going to be? I don't know. He doesn't have those eye-glowing stats, but is playing very good defense this year. Yes, he's got the penalty issues there. I think that can be cleaned up. Uh, Listen, Legereus Need played very well as a rookie. He probably could have won Defensive Rookie of the Year if he played the whole season. Uh, Had uh, missed a few games. I think it was six or seven games due to injury. And then the following year, he was second or third among cornerbacks and catches allowed. Then he fixed that last year, and this year has not allowed a touchdown reception. Yeah, again, the penalties that, uh, of course, cannot be uh, forgotten about. But um, who's the better player? I think Chris Jones, but he's going to cost you a lot of money. And if you pay Chris Jones, you're going to be in a salary cap bind. I don't even know if it's worth franchise tagging Chris Jones because I don't know who would want to take on that contract. Uh, I think Chris Jones... If he hits free agency, he will have a diff- difficult time getting what he wants unless there's a team with a lot of space uh, with the salary cap that is desperate for a premier defensive tackle. So that's what I think is going to happen there. Uh, injury report update. Chiefs have five players who did not practice today, uh, Wednesday. Isaiah Pacheco uh, with the uh, con- uh, concussion protocol. They also put the shoulder injury on there, so he did not practice. Donovan Smith continues to not practice. Kadarius Tony again not practicing. Uh, the two you guys mentioned, Legarius Sneed, David. Um, Legarius Sneed has a calf injury. Uh, he did exit uh, Monday's game against the Raiders with this injury, but did come back, uh, but did not practice Wednesday. And then Jalen Watson did not practice due to an illness. Chris Jones was also ill today. He did a uh, press conference today and he, uh, you could tell uh, just with uh, the way he sounded, he was a little under the weather there. So um, he was sick and probably sick of the, uh, the struggles on the offensive side of the ball. Aren't we all? Um, And then you had Trey Smith who did practice, but was limited. And then you have a lot of players on the injury report, Nick Bolton, uh, Mike Edwards, uh, Trent McDuffie, 
Charles Minhu and Josh Williams, all uh, with different injuries, but they were all full participants in practice. Uh, McCole Hardman was also a full participant, uh, but they have not put him on the main roster just yet. So that is the uh, Chiefs injury report. Uh, as far as the Bengals go, Jamar Chase did not practice, but he is expected to play from what I know. So uh, definitely expect Jamar Chase to play on Sunday uh, against the Chiefs. And then uh, Cam Sample and Jalen Davis also uh, limited in practice. Cam Taylor Britt, who uh, his 21-day window just opened up. He was a full participant today. And uh, I don't think they were in any hurry to bring him back, especially against the Chiefs receiving court. So, uh, but he is uh, on that injury report, and we'll talk about Cam Taylor Britt a little later on uh, as he was a full participant and uh, is on IR right now, just like McCole Hardman. So uh, do you believe the D-line will be as effective without CJ? Yeah, that's a really good question, David. Um, I think they can. To me, um, small sample size, but this is all we can really go off right now. That game against Detroit, who has been a good offensive team this year, um, Chiefs defense played very well, only allowed 14 points. The uh, the other um, touchdown was a uh, pick six off Kadarius Sony's hand. Shocker, right? Uh, as if we haven't seen that before. Um, so I think with uh, with Chris Jones, it would be it, it'll definitely be a struggle. I'll say this right now: the Chiefs are not a good run defensive team. Uh, and if the Bengals are smart, they can definitely find a way to exploit that in this game. So if you lose Chris Jones, you definitely have to make defensive tackle a priority in the draft. Uh, maybe not with your first pick, uh, because Derek Nottie is not cutting it at all. Um, but man, um, it would be, uh, it would be tough to see. Maybe they can get some draft trades for Jones. Maybe Rochelle, like if you franchise tag him and do that, but that would be a very hefty contract to, uh, to try to, take from another team um because if the chiefs are stuck with that uh with that franchise tag that puts them in a, in a bind with the salary cap and how what how much you know can they really work this offseason with that that would be uh, a struggle uh, for sure donovan smith or juan taylor keep him or move on well donovan smith only signed a one-year deal he's definitely going to move on the chiefs i think are going to move forward with uh wanya morris who i know he's coming off a really bad game uh, but overall body of work in the, in the few games he's played, he's played pretty well. Uh, he's going to have a tough task on his hand this Sunday for sure, and we'll get into that later on. Jawan Taylor, you're unfortunately stuck with him. I highly doubt he restructures his deal because he got a really sweet contract. So, um, Listen, earlier in the year, and I know they were talking about this today, Jawan Taylor actually did a good job on some of his... Um, some of his blocking, pass blocking rates has struggled with that more recently. The penalties, yeah, that's another issue there. Uh, I think the Chiefs can work on that with him to clean that up, but um, uh, got to be better when you're facing uh, top tier pass rushers for sure, especially when you're getting paid that much. Yeah, I know he went up against Max Crosby, but when you're getting paid that much, obviously there's a there's a standard and ex an expectation there. You definitely need to um, need to live up the, to those uh, standards and expectations for sure. Denver cutting a certain quarterback in March. Yeah, we went over that. Um, kind of a surprise. I don't know if it's a big surprise, but hey, man, you didn't uh, live up to expectations and uh, you're suffering the consequences for it. You know, not really, uh, not really. Uh, I mean, cry me a river. Which pass catcher would you like to see the Chiefs target in the draft or veteran? I'll tell you one veteran I would really love to see. The Chiefs go after Mike Evans. And listen, I know the situation in, in Tampa Bay got better as the year went on, but man, um, 
if you could bring Mike Evans here, that would be really good. A lot of people also want to see T. Higgins. I know he has a lot of drops this year, but when you have the production that he has, you can kind of you can forgive him for the drops more so. So, uh, but I, I don't think T. Higgins would leave Cincinnati for Kansas City. But I I think Kansas City could definitely make a run for Mike Evans, and they would have the room for it if um, if they don't re-sign Chris Jones. So I think that's uh, one to keep an eye on this offseason for sure. Step into 2024 with confidence thanks to Manscaped, where resolutions are met and hairs are neatly kept. As the new year approaches, why not make self-improvement a breeze by keeping your body well-groomed? Introducing Manscaped's Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, the ultimate all-inclusive kit designed to help you feel clean-cut and confident as you should. Featuring the Powerhouse Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, this next-gen trimmer ensures precision and ease when tackling your toughest hairs. So kick off 2024 with a trim above the rest and use promo code FARZINE20 at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Their fifth-generation lawnmower features two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. New year, new you, and definitely a new trimmer. Manscaped's got your grooming resolutions covered. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FARZINE20 at Manscaped. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code FARZINE20. Happy New Year to your balls. All right, let's get right into it. Chiefs and Bengals on Sunday. Obviously, the two teams not where they want to be at this point, but they both have a lot to play for. And it'll be an interesting game for sure. Jim Nance and Tony Romo will be calling the game for CBS. And also Tracy Wilson will be the sideline reporter. And if you look at the uh, maps on the 506, there are uh, a lot of people who are going to be getting the game. Now, if you're going to be in the mountain, uh, if you're in the mountain time zone uh, where there are a lot of Broncos fans, you're not going to get the game. If you're in the L.A. area where Chargers fans are, you're not going to get the game there. Your uh, your only hope essentially would be f- to hope for a uh, blowout so CBS can switch to a more competitive game, as uh, as they like to say. So, uh, but for the most part, outside of those regions, everyone else is going to be getting Chiefs and uh, Chiefs and uh, Bengals. Uh, in fact, if you look at all the coverage maps, that is the game that uh, has the uh, most uh, area covered for Week 17. It's so weird talking about Week 17. And how it's not the final week of the regular. I'm not used to that. Um, a lot of times I've spent week 17 in Vegas. And I've always had a fun time betting on games in week 17. Because in my opinion, weeks 1 and 17, now 18. Uh, but before the 17-game um, schedule, weeks 1 and 17, in my opinion, have always been the most difficult games to bet on. Because week 1, you don't really know exactly who's who, who's good, who's not. Obviously, you have some surprises to start the year and uh, from there uh, uh, you go on, but week 17 is also hard because that's when a lot of teams uh, make some switches, go with some backups, uh, rest some starters and all that stuff, and it's very difficult to bet on those games then. Uh, and even then you see some surprises, especially teams that are fighting for a division title or a one seed or at the time a two seed when uh, that had some value uh, in the postseason, but not the case anymore. So uh, we will see 
uh, how uh, the NFL wants to move forward with that, because I think we're going to be moving to an 18 game schedule very, very soon. Uh, referee for this game, John Hussey. I want to say it's his first game, first Chiefs game this year. Uh, John Hussey, uh, yeah, I don't think he's done a Chiefs game this year. Head coach of the Bengals, Zach Taylor. I've seen a lot of Bengals fans on social media want him gone. Um, I don't know. I don't agree with that. Zach Taylor, I think, has done a really good job with the Bengals since then. He kind of came from an interesting spot where he wasn't even a coordinator. Um, where The Rams had a lot of assistants that were uh, getting opportunities, and Zach Taylor was a quarterback's coach for the Rams and uh, got that promotion there. Offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan. Yes, that's a very familiar name. He is the son of Bill Callahan, who um, has been around the NFL for a while. Brian Callahan has spent some time as an assistant in the AFC West, specifically with the Denver Broncos and the Oakland Raiders before they went over to Las Vegas. Won Super Bowl 50 with the Broncos that year. Looking at the Bengals offense, 21st in total offense, 9th in passing, 32nd in rushing, 20th in points per game at 21.2 points per game. And uh, 13th in red zone offense. Casey is 14th for comparisons, uh, 19th in third down conversions this year. Obviously, uh, Joe Burrow had that wrist injury. And so they are using Jake Browning, who has close to 1600 yards, eight touchdowns, six picks, has been sacked 16 times this year, has a 98.5 passer rating. It's actually higher than Burrow's, uh, which is a 91 passer rating this year against the Steelers. He was 28 of 42 passing for 335 yards, one touchdown, three picks, and that one was also sacked three times against the Steelers. The Bengals allowed 20 pressures in that game. Uh, Compared to the Steelers, they only allowed seven uh, for Mason Rudolph. So obviously doing a good job for Mason Rudolph. Obviously, everyone remembers Orlando Brown. He is with the uh, Bengals now. He is leading the NFL in a category you don't want to lead the NFL in, and that is pressures allowed with 56, by far the most in the NFL. He's already surpassed last year's total for pressures allowed. That's how bad Orlando Brown has been. Um, I mean, the guy, you know, likes to use the Pro Bowl voting system to to prove how good he is, but he's really not. Uh, I mean, he would not be on three different teams in the span of uh, four weeks, and Hey, good on the uh, the Ravens because the draft pick they got from the Chiefs to, to give Orlando Brown to Casey, uh, he beat Orlando Brown to uh, get to Clyde Edwards-Alaire and force a fumble, and that got him AFC Defensive Player of the Week honors. Now, Clyde Edwards-Alaire should have hold, held on to that ball, but uh, yeah, uh, Baltimore was ready to move on from Orlando Brown, and Kansas City was ready to move on from him as well. They let him walk, and the Bengals overpaid him. 56 pressures allowed. Now, he's not the only bad offensive tackle there. Jonah Williams, a below-average offensive tackle, 35 pressures allowed this year. Uh, he allowed five against the Steelers. Um, oh, by the way, Orlando Brown gave up six against the Steelers. That is the third most he's allowed in a game this year. So you look at the, and listen, I think the interior offensive line for the Bengals, it's not great, but I think it's serviceable, can get the job done. But man, those offensive tackles right there, if you are Steve Spagnuolo, you already know, doesn't matter if you are the Chiefs, the Bengals, or if you're a fan watching this game, everyone knows what Spags is going to do in this one. And you, you got to go after uh, Orlando Brown and Jonah Williams. You got to pick on those guys. And if you're the Bengals, man, uh, and Jamar Chase is expected to play in this one, and we'll get into the wide receivers in a moment, but 
you know that Carl Loftus, uh, one of the better pass rushers in the NFL, Mike Dana, who's uh, played better than a lot of people have expected, Charles Ominahu, a veteran who the Chiefs have. Uh, by the way, Chris Jones, who lines up at times uh, on the outside, and I'll get into that a little later on, uh, there's a chance he might go up against Orlando Brown, and that's not going to be a very good matchup for Orlando Brown whatsoever. So to me, I would expect Callahan and Taylor to work on quick passes this week. You have to do that. That is how you beat good pass rushers, especially when you have two terrible offensive tackles. This is almost reminiscent of what the Chiefs had, except it was a lot worse last year with Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley. Uh, because they had allowed the most offensive or uh, pass rushes or uh, pressures, excuse me, last year. Uh, we'll get into that a little later on. Uh, Joe Mixon, 858 yards, 13th in the NFL, averaging just below four yards per carry, eight touchdowns, tying Kareem Hunt uh, for 11, uh, 11th for uh, rushing scores on the year with the eight touchdowns. Uh, Mixon does not have a 100-yard rushing game this year. I actually was surprised to see that. I thought he had one or two on the year, but no, he has not had one. He can probably get his first one this this week if the Bengals are smart with their offensive game plan because Casey is 18th against the run. They're sixth, um, or excuse me, uh, Joe Mixon, sixth in the NFL in carries with 222. I don't know why, but teams this year seem to have this obsession giving the ball a lot to ball carriers who aren't averaging four yards per carry. I find that interesting. But when you look at Joe Mixon, he had seven catches for 49 yards against Jacksonville. So he has had some success in the uh, passing game. In that same game, he ran 19 times for 68 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Another game, he had 21 runs for 79 yards and a touchdown. So he's had a lot of games where he gets a ball a lot and can't really surpass the 100-yard mark. His longest run of the year is 22 yards. I think Zamir White had a uh, had one that exceeded that to try to uh, put the game away against the Chiefs uh, when he was running the ball for the Raiders. Uh, I mentioned Jamar Chase, who's dealing with a shoulder injury, did not play last week, did not practice today, but all expectations are that uh, he will play this Sunday against the Chiefs. He is 10th in the NFL in receiving yards, 12th in catches, uh, a little over 1,100 yards, 1,156 yards, 93 catches, and he's also tied 11th with a bunch of guys, including Rasheed Rice, for touchdown catches with seven. Uh, Tyler uh, Boyd and T. Higgins, very similar when it comes to receiving yards. Higgins has three, uh, or excuse me, 637. Boyd has 634. Uh, Higgins has fewer catches, but more touchdowns. He's got five touchdowns on the year, 41 catches. Boyd has 64 catches. And a pair of uh, scores in the end zone. Did have that key drop against the Texans that did uh, hurt them uh, late in the game. Uh, Higgins and Chase each had six catches against the Chiefs in that AFC Championship game last year, combining 458 yards in that game where the Chiefs won to go on to the Super Bowl and beat the Eagles. Uh, the Bengals do have a rookie wide receiver who got a little bit of, of action last game where Andre. Isovas, I think is how you say his name. He's the sixth-round rookie from Princeton. He had four catches for 36 yards against the Steelers. Uh, has also had two touchdowns this year, both short pass touchdowns. Uh, so that's someone that they might get uh, involved a little more if uh, if Jamar Chase is unable to play this uh, this week. They've got two tight ends. They keep pretty active. Tanner Hudson, Andrew Semple. Hudson has 34 catches for 303 yards and a touchdown. 
Uh, and Drew Sample, 17, 425 and a pair of touchdowns. So those are guys that uh, whenever, uh, whether it's Burrow or Browning, they throw to him. They have a pretty high catch rate, a pretty high success rate targeting those guys. Uh, so more than 80%. So uh, to give you a comparison right there, uh, Kelsey is 77% off 170 targets. And I suppose, you know, the more targets you get, I suppose it could go down more, but uh, that is what they have to work with. Uh, listen, they, have, they use a lot of different receivers. Uh, Higgins was the leader in receiving yards last week, though it was uh, a lot of garbage time uh, yards there. Jamar Chase the previous week against the Vikings with 64 yards, and then uh, Chase Brown, the rookie running back, um, with 80 yards the week before against the Colts. Um, I did want to go back to Chris Jones and talk about that offensive line. So Chris Jones, he has lined up 97 times uh, against offensive tackles just outside of the offensive tackle area. So it would not surprise me if the Chiefs, especially on third down, try to match Chris Jones up against Orlando Brown. Um, you might see a lot of that on first and third downs. Uh, Chris Jones does leave the uh, field a lot on second down plays. So I'm very curious if they uh, change that this time around and give Chris Jones more snaps because this is the weakest offensive tackle duo you're going up against. They've given up 91 pressures combined. That is the most in the NFL by an offensive tackle duo. So you know the Chiefs, they're going to have their front defensive lineman ready. And of course, the Chiefs love to go out there and have Drew Tranquil go after uh, the quarterback, Leo Chanel, uh, Nick Bolton, who's done a great job of that. And I love using that with defensive backs as well with Trent McDuffie and at times Justin Reed. So uh, don't be surprised if you see the Chiefs really want to send the house at times uh, to try to rattle a guy like Jake Browning, who doesn't have a lot of experience. And they definitely can do that against this Bengals offensive line. Looking at the Bengals defense, Lou Armano coached previously for the Dolphins and the Giants was the interim defensive coordinator in 2015 for the Dolphins. And he was commenting today about Patrick Mahomes saying that he is still the best quarterback in the NFL, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, you know, Jamar Chase definitely did not uh, approve of that, but total defense for the Bengals. And I'll tell you what, if you are concerned with the Chiefs offense, I think you're going to like a lot of these numbers here, but there is a caveat to that. And I'll get into that. Total defense for the Bengals, 31st, second worst in the NFL, 28th against the pass, 26th against the run. And it comes when it comes to uh, points allowed per game, 21st in that category, allowing 23 points per game. They are the fifth worst third down defense in the NFL. Now, some positives from that Bengals defense. They're 12th in red zone defense. Chiefs have not been very good in the red zone this year. Have not been very good in the red zone this year. Now, I'll say this. I'm looking through the Bengals defense and I watch a lot of tape. And I've even mentioned this in, um, in past games. The Bengals are horrible on defense. It does not surprise me one bit that they are the second worst total defense in the NFL. Um, they miss a lot of tackles. But the one thing with the Cincinnati defense, they do have Trey Hendrickson, who really is the only guy that you really have to worry about. And he's going to be going up against Wanya Morris, who's coming off a really bad game where he allowed 10 pressures against Malcolm Koontz, who he went up against a majority of the time. Henriksen uh, on the year 16th and excuse me, 16 sacks. That's the second most. He owns 41% of the team's sack total, by the way. He also has 16 tackles for a loss. That is tied for fifth most. Henriksen is 11th in pressures with 46 on the year. George Karloftis is right behind him uh, with 40, uh, 45, excuse me, 
Uh, but Henriksen has nearly double the amount of sacks that Carl Loftus has. Uh, he is the only one who got a sack uh, last week on Mason Rudolph when the Bengals played the Steelers. Uh, best game he had this year was against Arizona, where he had two and a half sacks. He's had four multi-game sacks in 2023 and a pair of forced fumbles on the year. Would not surprise me if he got a multi-game sack uh, on Patrick Mahomes here. That is the only player that you really have to fear him and Sam Hubbard. Sam Hubbard has five sacks on the year, 19 hurries, has, hasn't had a sack in two games, and he's going to be going up mostly against Jawan Taylor. So if you're Jawan Taylor and, you know, Miles Murphy, part of that mix as well, who has three sacks, I think Jawan Taylor can have a better game this time around. Uh, you go from Max Crosby to Sam Hubbard and Miles Murphy. So unless you play the same as last week, uh, you should be able to win often against Hubbard and Murphy. But if you're Wanya Morris, that is the one that concerns me the most because you're going to be facing one of the best pass rushers this year, a guy very similar to Max Crosby. And I think if you are the Chiefs, you know what's going on. So you've got to consider putting a tight end there. Jarek McKinnon would have been a great option, but unfortunately he's unavailable. So... You got to think about having a guy like Blake Bell right there to assist Wanya Morris, who's a rookie and is going to go through the learning curve right now, going up against some top-tier pass rushers. Oh, I mean, although Koontz is not a top-tier pass rusher, it definitely made him look like one. Um, that is the only thing that scares me about, about this Bengals defense. If the Chiefs can find a way to try to nullify Trey Hendrickson in this game, and they can do that with extra help by double-teaming Hendrickson, then you're going to have a good game. I mean, your receivers should be able to do what they need to do. Just got to pray for the love of God that they catch the damn ball. That's all. That's all you got to hope for, because this Bengals defense, they're not very good at coverage. They do have a couple of good cover guys, uh, but a very young secondary there. I mentioned uh, Britt Taylor. He just had his 21 day window open up. So I don't know if the Bengals are in any hurry to bring him back. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. Uh, because when you look at Britt Taylor, he does have four interceptions leading the team. He had a pick six against the Cardinals. And like I said, his 21-day window did open today. Uh, they have a Wuze, uh part of that secondary. Nickelback Mike Hilton, one of the better cover Nickelbacks in the NFL. They also have rookie quarterback DJ Turner. And then when you look at the, um, the safeties, the free safety Dax Hill, he has two picks in the first four weeks. Hasn't had a pick since then. And then rookie strong safety, Jordan Battle, good cover safety, uh, even a better run stopper. Uh, those two guys have uh, 10 combined hurries on the year. Dax Hill ties all safeties uh, for the six most pressures on the year. So uh, kind of a little bit what Kansas City does on defense. Uh, but I still would expect the Chiefs to want to pick on those guys. Uh, guys like Richie James, who I thought played well against the Raiders uh, and would have liked to see more of him. A lot of passes at or behind the line of scrimmage this game. Um, now, while I have been calling for the dink and dunk plays, in uh, Dante Hall did as well, uh, I think you got to have a balance with that. It, it was a um, like 90% of your passes were at or behind the line of scrimmage. And a lot of them were big time disasters. And that is never going to bode well for any team. So I think if you're Kansas city, listen, you know what you've got to do on defense. I don't think it's that complicated. The only problem would be is if the Bengals find a way to utilize a quick passing game. And Joe Mixon would be a big concern of mine for sure in this game. 
as far as the Bengals defense, nothing scares me about this Bengals defense. Logan Wilson, I know 125 tackles and Jermaine Pratt, 115 tackles, but Pratt has missed a lot of tackles on the year. So has, um, uh, so has Mike Hilton, uh, and by the way, I didn't mention Wilson, two and a half sacks, five tackles for a loss, three picks on the year and three forced fumbles. He had 11 tackles against the Steelers. And then Jermaine Pratt, he's got a pair of interceptions on the year. So uh, there, there aren't a lot of highlights with this Bengals defense. Uh, we've seen tougher defenses from Cincinnati in years past. Uh, you would think that when you have a third string quarterback like Mason Rudolph, performing open heart surgery on this Bengals defense, you would like to think the Chiefs offense can study that game film, study the hell out of it, and try to duplicate whatever the Steelers did. I, I, I think a guy like Rasheed Rice can have a really good game on Sunday. I think Travis Kelsey can have a big bounce back game. He can certainly surpass the 1,000-yard receiving mark and uh, become the seventh player in NFL history to have eight consecutive years of, of 1,000 receiving yards, for sure. The only concern is Trey Hendrickson. I think Jawan Taylor can play better against Sam Hubbard and Miles Murphy. Uh, B.J. Hill, yeah, part of that uh, defensive, t- uh, defensive line right there in the middle, uh, who has four sacks. Hasn't had a sack in the last seven games, though, and I think your interior offensive line can take him. Uh, yeah, they haven't been perfect, but more times than not, they've been great. So... If they can double-team Trey Hendrickson, I have a lot of confidence in this Chiefs offense. I think the Chiefs offense will make some mistakes that they shouldn't make, but I think they'll find a way to get through and um, and find a way to win, find a way to score. I'm going 27-13 Chiefs on this one. I think the Chiefs defense will take care of business. There's no question about that. The pass rush, I think, will be too much for Jake Browning. The offense, like I said, will make some errors that they shouldn't make in this one. Um, But this is a very weak Bengals defense. Let me go back and read the numbers again. Fifth worst third down defense. 31st in total defense. 28th against the pass. Now, the Chiefs have gone up against some bad defenses. But this is a defense that misses a lot of tackles here. And you got to utilize that. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he's done some good things in the passing game the past couple of weeks. Use that more. Richie James, I think, is going to be a key player for you. I don't know if Canaries Tony's going to come back, but hey, with his speed, you can do some damage on this team. So we'll see what they do there. I'll read a couple of you guys' comments and then get out of here. Chris Jones would be closer on third downs. Hopefully, yeah, that he would be huge in this game on third downs. By the way, I was very shocked to see this. The Chiefs... They are fifth in the NFL in third down offense. And I've said this many times, like the Chiefs haven't had issues moving the football. It's, you know, when they get to the red zone, that's where they seem to struggle the most. And Cincinnati is 12th in the red zone. Not great, but that's above average. And that might be enough to be able to stop Kansas City in the red zone. That is what scares me the most about the Chiefs is Trey Hendrickson and then the red zone defense. You see this a lot, by the way, with bad defenses that tend to do a little better in the red zone, which I find interesting. Um, topic for another time, though. Dawson says, it can't get worse. I've been disappointed in them, but trust Reed will get them back on track. It could get worse, Robert says. Early 2000s, yeah, and that defense was bad. Uh, let's hope Mahomes and Reed can, quote, will this team back to life at the right time. I know we didn't touch much on Kelsey, but it was really the same old of him saying people are frustrated and they're they're going to fix this. 
Okay, we've heard that a time or two before. John says, I think Kelsey will have a big game. He's fired up and know he has been playing subpar. Yeah, he did say on the podcast he's been playing like shit. His words, not mine. Um, yeah, hey, buddy, he has been subpar the past several games. I agree, John. You're going 24-18 KC. Uh, Fiso says we should load on OBJ side and just have a field day. I, I, I'm with you, John. Or I'm sorry, Fiso. I'm with you, dude. Should, uh, should do that. Should we take shots down the field in the fourth quarter? I think Scott, if you can utilize that short yard situation, like short pass, medium route passes and utilize your rushing game. Then I think those deep passes, those deep shots you're talking about, Scott will be open late in the game because that's when defenses get tired the most. Just. Gotta hope they catch the damn ball. That's that's the only concern I have there. But I am going to go 27-13 Kansas City. All right, guys. That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Big thanks to all of you who watch live on Facebook and on YouTube. Big thanks to you guys spending your Wednesday night with me. For those of you listening on the archived version on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, tune in wherever you listen to your podcasts. Big shout out to you guys. Thank you all as always. Uh, and by the way, Facebook page has been awesome. Instagram has been awesome. Threads has been awesome. Twitter's been great. So thank you all for all the uh, engagement and interaction, not just uh, this week, but all year long, man. Uh, we are, um, we hit 50,000 followers right before the Super Bowl. And we just hit 77,000 on Christmas. So uh, we should easily hit 80,000 before the Super Bowl. Uh, the biggest growth we've had of, of the year. Last year was the biggest growth we had, and we're following it up with an even bigger growth. So Awesome job to you guys. You guys are the ones making that happen. So big thanks to you guys on all of that. Please keep sharing the content on uh, Facebook, uh, commenting, liking the post. It really helps out a lot and definitely helps spread the word about the uh, page. So thank you guys so much. Chiefs will win the AFC West this Sunday, ending 2023 on a good note. I'm Farzee Vasugi, and thank you all for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. I will talk to you for the Red Friday live chat, and then we will do our pregame live chat, halftime live chat, and postgame podcast live on Sunday. Talk to you guys then. Take care.